0: Turn to Ephesians in the New Testament if you would. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you. We'd love for you to take that out. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible and take it home as our gift to you. As you're turning to the book of Ephesians, in the late 1800s, the the doctors, the medical professionals in the 1800s, they believed in this thing called spontaneous generation. Spontaneous generation is this idea that matter would just appear in in the atmosphere and as it would appear in the atmosphere then this is where disease would come from this is where people would be infected this is where people would walk away and their families would get it and the the fluid and the epidemics of their culture and their time and there was really no determination from in fact they just believed that was just kind of a a thing sent by god many times and then this doctor by the name of dr louis Pasteur comes along and he says no that's actually not the case and he comes up with this thing called the germ theory disease and that is the fact that invisible microorganisms could impact the visible world. See, Louis Pasteur said this, that something invisible could impact the visible. That was his entire, uh, basically, theory. And, and everyone around him and every, every basically like all the doctors and all the experts, experts said, there is no way that something invisible could impact the visible. But Louis said, yes, it actually is. Well, a couple he got a couple of his buddies together and a couple of doctors that believed him. And they began to wash their hands and begin to quarantine people and it began to take impact. But the, most of all, the medical community said, no, that's not exactly the case. We don't believe you. Well, today, fast forward hundred years and obviously, we believe him, right? <laughs> we believe him a lot, don't we? I mean, we've used this stuff a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a flu season, isn't it? And so many people have been infected by the flu. We believe in the germ theory disease. We believe that something invisible impacts the visible. And no one believed this more than the Apostle Paul. 2,000 years ago, he believed this. He would fight his greatest battles, and he would have his greatest breakthroughs, as will as we'll learn, this morning and following weeks. He believed in this invisible war, and he wasn't talking about a germ anymore. He was talking so much greater, in fact. Paul, he finally hits Asia, his travels, and he would spend two years with the Ephesians. And much later, he would write what I believe and many others believe is the greatest book ever written on the invisible war, on spiritual warfare, we find anywhere. And during this preaching series, I'm gonna challenge you to read along with me. Actually, um, to... Uh, Look at our New Testament Bible reading plan we have available at all of our information centers. And also, you can sign up on our website at the very bottom of our website. You can click on the button and you can get an email starting tomorrow with what to read through. Every single day, we're going to be reading through the New Testament together. And this will also track with the book of Ephesians. But more importantly, than do I want you just to understand it, I want you to apply it and learn from it. Now, why? this series. Why this book? Because we fight battles too. We fight battles too. It just wasn't Paul. We encounter difficulty. We need to be assured. So if you look at The book of Ephesians as a whole, if you're looking at it from an 80,000-foot view, I want to give you kind of a synopsis of it real quickly. If you're a music fan at all, all right, I'm going to use this illustration to help you understand this, uh, that you'll understand the dynamics of music, okay? The dynamics of music, uh, I was I studied classical piano for over eight years, and what I learned from the dynamics of music are that if you have an quote-unquote MP in music, that means mezzo piano, which means it's very soft, it's very, very quiet. And then there'll be this crescendo that'll happen in the song. The dynamic will include this crescendo. And then we'll get to this point where it's quote unquote FF, which is fortissimo. And it means loud. It means big. It means loud. It's getting bigger and bigger. And you can add life to music, okay? And the the book of Ephesians, it starts mezzo piano in chapter 1. And it layers upon layer, upon layer, upon layer, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, until we get to uh, chapter 6, verse 10 and verse 11, where it is FF, if you will. It is fortissimo. It is big. And this is the main point that Paul is trying to take and on all of us about the invisible war. And we're going to look at it together. Let's all read it out together. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. It says this. Let's put it on the screen, guys. It says this. Finally... Let's read it out together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Now I want you to circle the phrase. I want you to understand and write down, take your stand. This is the central focus of the book of Ephesians. Through the pen of Paul, he wants you and I to experience breakthrough in, in our life. We've got to got to get, get a grip on the fact that there is a battle being waged in the invisible world that is impacting the visible world. So you got to take a stand. But the question is, how, how, how do you take a stand? How do you understand this in your life? Well, we'll get to that in just a little bit. We'll begin to build layer by layer through this preaching series. You're not going to want to miss any of the weeks we're in this. A little background on this letter. Paul wrote this letter while in prison in Rome. He sends it back to the first church in Ephesus while he was uh, there planting a church. He spent two years there, and then he would go on to plant other churches in in Asia. And Paul had not only been in prison there in, in Rome once, he had been there before. And this time, Nero has him in prison, and Paul would die. Interesting enough, uh, Paul would die, but he would not be crucified. He was a Roman citizen. The apostle Peter was crucified upside down. He was not a Roman citizen. And Paul, he wrote this letter to be circulated. This was, this was like basically the message that was written for all of the house churches in Asia to read because they were fighting battles and they needed breakthrough in your life. So what was Ephesus like? I'm glad you asked. Thank you. I'll tell you. It was a political center. It was the capital, if you will. It was diverse. It was humming with activity. It was bustling, if you will. And it was a place where people wanted to go. There was this tourist uh, attraction there named the, the the Temple Diana. In the Greek, it's the, the word Artemis. And Artemis uh, was the goddess of fertility in Ephesus. It was this pagan temple, one of the seven wonders of the world at the time, where people would pay money to go and view and be a part of it. It was a cultic at its very best. So there's tourism there, but there was also this great invisible battle taking place. Okay, Gray, that's great. Greatest history lesson. How does this impact me? Because you're in an invisible war just like they were. And this battle has been going on since the very beginning of time. Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden, and they are, they are duped, they're tricked by our enemy and their enemy. And Satan, he, t- he takes a hold of them through this invisible battle. And he, they think, wins at least the small battle. And we see through the entire Old Testament uh, this invisible war being waged. And we get to the book of Joshua, and many scholars and writers believe the book of Joshua is the greatest spiritual warfare book in the Old Testament. And here's why, okay? Because you have a people, God's people, Israel, being promised his promises of a possession, and the possession was of land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so what do they have to do? They have to fight to get it. Now, why is that important? Because if that is the narrative of God's people claiming a promise for them, then Ephesians is our handbook today. And here's why that is so important. Because when you are in Christ, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're enemy, he's not just going to be like, oh, my bad. You want all those promises? You want? Go ahead, take them. No, he's going to be like, I'm standing on them. If you want them, then come and get them. He's saying, look, I, I know there's the promises of God and I know what you have in Christ, but I don't want you to know that. I don't want you to possess the promises that he has for you. And this has implications in your marriage. It has implications in your relationships, your career, your your, your peace in your life, your love, your purpose, your mission, your relationship with God. It's everything to do with your life right now. Okay, so before we step into Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, I want to pray and we're going to step into this together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the pen of Paul and how it is to guide us and be our handbook for this war that we're in. And we pray that your spirit would convict and to guide, and I pray, God, that, that you would be glorified and you'd be honored. In your name we pray, amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 begins, Paul, an apostle. Apostle means sent out by God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus. The faithful in Christ, Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Who is he writing to? He's writing to the followers of Jesus. Paul, he faces his greatest battles, but then he would have his greatest breakthroughs. How in the world? Who is the author of his victory? Well, we just read about him, Jesus. That sin would be broken by Jesus. And even though the enemy thought he won the battle, Jesus wins the war. And what Paul is saying here is this, he's like, look, at one time, your enemy, Satan, he controlled your life. He filled your life. He took the life that God wants from you. But now in Christ, in Christ, he no longer has that power. His spirit fills you. His, his spirit fills the church. And he says, look, there's a new sheriff in town. You can't take my calling. You can't take my mission. You can't take my relationships. You can't take my peace. You can't take my love because the spirit of God is in and working through my life. The promise of the god and the possession that god has given us is here paul saying look there's a new sheriff in town hello heads up and that's how he starts the book of ephesians it's awesome and then he continues in verse 3 and following now to to, to give you an idea here the the diagram the way he wrote this verses 3 through 14 is one long uh, run-on greek sentence it's the longest run-on Greek sentence in all of the New Testament. It's very hard to decipher. In fact, in seminary, they actually have you decipher this in the Greek just as a weed-out class many times. And um, it certainly almost weeded me out um, when I had to do it. Verse 3 begins, look at it with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. Circle the phrase, every spiritual blessing in Christ. I want to pause here for a moment. Some pretty significant doctrinal realities for Christians here. A lot of times, Christians, we get caught up in our circumstances. Well, my kid did. Well, they told me on the phone. Well, my doctor said, well, they're going to move him. They're going to do this to her. I don't know what's going to happen to them But we have to be reminded, we have to know there is a God who never changes and he holds the victory in his hands. This is a get your feet on a solid, solid, solid rock kind of text. And when you get to that phrase, every spiritual blessing, what does that mean? Well, I love this illustration that I heard on that. as an American citizen, you go to a different country, certainly there are laws that don't apply to you. But as an American citizen, they treat you specifically a certain way because of the rights that you have as an American citizen. As a citizen of heaven, according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, okay, it says this, that you are to receive certain spiritual blessings in the then, which is in heaven, which is eternity, but also in the now, because the Spirit of God comes in your life now. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, He said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. The word life comes from the Greek word zoe, which means abundantly flowing right here and now. It doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect, but it does mean that the spiritual blessings do pervade your life now. The the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of this. This translates into uh, February 11th, 2018. It translates into the next few minutes and then when you grab lunch and in the afternoon and in the evening and as your Monday starts. But we don't get this. We don't understand it. We don't don't grapple with it all the way. Because here's why. Because we ask for things from God all the time that we already possess. God, would you give me peace? Would you give me strength? Would you provide for me right now? There's a circumstance in my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. God, what is going on in my life? And I think God's going, hmm, my spirit is in you. My spirit is in you. Why? Why, why don't you realize that? My promises have been given to you. Would, you. would you make do with what you've already been given? How poor can you be when your heavenly father is the wealthiest person in the universe? How fearful can you be when the king of the universe is on your side? How uh, extremely un. I mean, how, how. Paul's saying, look, there's a new sheriff in town, folks. And, and we have to understand the blessings of God and and whose we are. And then Paul continues in verse 4 with this long run-on sentence. And they're going to see a phrase over and over again, and it's the phrase, the glory of God's grace. And we're going to circle it together. He begins in verse 4, for he chose us. Now let's stop there for a second. For he chose us. If God never answers another prayer, if God never does another thing for you the rest of your life, the fact that he chose you is enough. Then he continues, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. Circle that. That's the first section. Which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We see this word grace 14 times used in just this letter alone. verse 8, that He lavished on us these riches. The Ephesians, they're wealthy. They have no idea the riches that we have in Christ. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In Him we were also chosen, having predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. There it is again. Circle that. The second, the second section. Third section. He starts to verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. Highlight that. When you believed. You were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. There it is again, highlighted. And the sentence stops. Now, what you have to understand here is that Paul has just highlighted all of the theological information that these churches in Asia understood. It's the table of contents, okay, that he just had, had given them. They, they would have been studying these maybe for even years, okay? And so th- he's just giving them a broad swath. It's, it, the book is full, okay, but he's just giving them the table of contents. And what I want you to understand and, and, and see this as it's through a chart that I put in your listening guide, and uh, I, I love this. I, I was taught this one time, and I think it really helps. You First, you have the Father in verses 3 through 6, and in the past, there was his election. Now, the the word election has to do with the sovereignty of God, so if you will, think about the sovereignty of God on this side. The sovereignty of God, he knows everything before, he knows everything now, and he knows everything in the future. But also, as you saw, Paul indicate in, in, in this letter and in Romans that there's this man's choice. Now, there's opposition to the sovereignty of God in this understanding of man's choice. And with our feeble minds, we will then just gra- uh, gravitate towards one or the other. And you see this all the time. Well, instead of going to one and neglecting the other, could we in our finite minds understand there's a tension There's a tension that we must understand and understand also that God is bigger than our feeble thinking and that we will never sufficiently understand that. Then following, in the present, our Father receives us as sons and daughters and into the future is our glorification. Then in verses seven through 10, you have the Son of God redeeming us, atoning for our sins. In our present, revealing the Father's purpose and in the future, He will inherit us as His Son. And then into the future, the Holy Spirit, verse 13 will give us perseverance. I heard it said this one time. He said, "You know, if you, if you see the Father, y- you can put plan underneath of it. And when you see the Son here in verses 7 through 10, you can put purchased underneath of it. And when you see the Holy Spirit, you can put pursued. You see the Father planned, the Son purchased, and the Holy Spirit pursued. And right there, you could walk home and you could munch on that for the next three years and still not uh, be finished with that but that's assurance. It's fabulous. There's one thing I'm unsure about uh, something in my life, and that is my golf game. You know, this time of year, I start to think about golf. I start to think about, I want to go play some golf. I'm done with the cold weather. This is for the birds. How many are with me? All right. I'm ready for some sun. Okay. And there's something about my golf game that I want you to know about it's not bad okay I'm a pretty decent hand-eye coordination guy I played baseball and love golf and I hit a couple of good shots and then I'll hit a shot and it's like you know and it there goes into the water there goes into the bushes and or there it goes just dribbling a few feet in front and then you have to walk up to it the walk of shame and golf and you hit it again you know and did anyone see that right there's that moment And a lot of times, it's like, where did that shot come from? I was doing well, and then it just out of nowhere just hit me the side of the head. And that's exactly what so many times life feels like, doesn't it? It's like you're going along, everything's good, and then bam, like, where did that come from? Like, my kids are doing this. Where did that come? My career went this way. My life is, my health is, my situation is. It feels like that's where we are. And look, you may not know where your golf game is going, Okay. You may not know where your day is going. But as a Christ follower, you better know where your life is going. And here's how you better know that. Because your heavenly father in the past was sovereign and faithful and good. Thousands of years of your the father, the creator of the universe. And in the present, he is in control. And in the future, he is in control. And Paul, out of chapter 1, is saying, look, it's time for you to get a grapple on things and for you to understand that you are a conqueror. You are victorious. And you are a child of God. And there's nothing to the fear. So because of that, Paul then prays for them. Because of all of that, he goes into this prayer in verse 15. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. and dominion in every name that is invoked not only in this present age but also in the one to come what a prayer and what he's answering here are two questions the first question is who are the people who this breakthrough is assured well in your listening guide breakthrough is ahead if i'm in christ Breakthrough is ahead, Paul is saying in this prayer, if I'm in Christ. And my friend, circle the word if. That is a big if. For those of you who are in Christ, as Scripture says to us, if you've repented and you believe, then you are saved and you're in Christ and breakthrough is ahead. Paul then would also answer the second question. second question is, how do we see breakthrough? Breakthrough is applied as I experience Christ. What does experience Christ? Well, Paul, I think what he does as he continues to pray, he he starts with this right here, the noggin, the the, the brain, and then he just kind of comes down about 10 inches right into the heart. He first says, may you have the spirit of wisdom. The, The idea here is that you would have the eyes of God, that you would see with the wisdom of God. And then he says, would you have the revelation and the knowledge of him? This is a spiritual truth of who God is. Who is God? Could you answer that? Could you, if someone asked you who is your God, could you write it down? Could you share with them in a paragraph or two or three? Probably not sufficiently, but could you, in a nutshell, share who God is? I love the way A.W. Tozer shares it. He says this, that if your God is small and he's in a box and he's kind of in your realm and your finite thinking, then today is going to be enough rah-rah for you. But when Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday comes along, man, you're going to be like thrown back and forth because of the invisible war. But if your God is big, well, then Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, you're going to be like, well, my God is big and the revelation of him is still sufficient for me. But then Paul, he goes, okay, intellectual, intellectual heart. He says, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He's praying that not only will this know it, but will this know it. That in the darkest moments that life brings you, that you will experience all that he is for you and for me. And then Paul so that you may know. Would you know, he said, not just feeling, but faith that you would know the hope to which he has called you. Do you know what calling is? The calling of God? I liken it to this. As a child, uh, we would play basketball in my driveway till midnight, one, two in the morning with friends. We'd have pickup games all summer long and we'd drink Mountain Dew to keep our eyes open. And at some point along the way, my mom or my dad would be like, hey, Ray, it's time to come in. Shut off the light, and I would just kind of have this, this: okay, there's security. I'm walking into my parents' house. I know this is safety. No matter whether I lost or I won, I'm going home. This is the God of the universe calling us, and the implications of this. And then He says, "The riches of His glorious inheritance." Did you know that when you were adopted, you're put into the will? Did you know that when you were adopted, you are now the wealthiest person? <laughs> you know that you're looking at somebody who's loaded. Now maybe not here physically right now. I mean I drive a Honda Civic, okay? But that, that that's not exactly the status symbol of our culture in terms of vehicles. But man in in eternity, my mansion and the streets of gold that I'm going to walk in are going to be some pretty nice digs. And I'm telling you, Warren Buffett, man he don't he don't hold a candle to what us being put into the will of God are going to experience. And then Paul says, "The power the power, everyone say power. That word power, it comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means and where our word dynamite comes from. It's explosive. What is the power of God? How can I explain to you the power of God? It's almost impossible that the same resurrection power of Lazarus and Jesus is now in our life. It's for us today in this very moment. But it's so hard to, to, to explain. Let me, let me try to explain it to you this way. How many of you have been in an airport before? Raise your hand. How many have been in an airport? Okay, most of How many of you have ever been late for a plane before? And there's no way you're going to make it. It's the worst feeling in the world. And if and you have bags with you, okay, and you're running through the airport. I had one of those in Salt Lake City one time. And you, you, you picture yourself there. You got bags in your in your hand and there's no way you're going to reach this flight. And so, you know, and then all of a sudden you see a moving walkway. You know, those walkways that move. And when you get on those and you run, it's like triple time or quadruple. And all of a sudden you're flying, right? It's like you're going 10, 20 miles an hour. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm talking about you're going to make the flight. With the power of God, your inability is perfect. It's like a moving walkway and all of a sudden, pooh, like that, right? In your marriage, okay? In your relationships, in your parenting, in your in your every area of your life, as you apply and seek the power of God in your life, you will sense his movement. Stay weak so that he can be strong. Stay weak, so that he can bring you power in your life. It's power that we're going to need as a church, as I talked about last week on Vision Sunday. If we're going to see what I believe God wants us to see, and have eyes to see Kentuckiana the way he wants us to see it, we're going to have to use and lean into his power. That's why we're asking for everyone to pray, right, to take a 30-minute time slot. Hey, I'll pray for 30 minutes. Like 300 people signed up to pray, but we need you. There's some some. The time periods in the middle of the night that need somebody to say, hey, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. Would you be that person? Would you go in our lobby and sign up? I'll cover Wednesday at three in the morning. I'll wake up. Some of you guys, you're up anyways. All right. So you might as well pray for 30 uh, minutes. Then Paul, he he says power. and And we talk about and we see Christ's power and he moves to position of Christ. Notice he says far above. I want you to circle that word, and I want you to understand this. What does he mean by far above? Well, the invisible war, if, if you will, has certain realms to it. I want you to put a, put a graphic up on the screen real quickly. Put that graphic up on the screen. Here it is. And there's the earth. We're sitting on the earth, right? Does everybody agree with me there? Balcony, do you agree? Yeah, Okay. On the, do we all agree on that? Okay, we're sitting on the earth. And then there's the heavens where the rain came down earlier, the atmosphere, if you will. And then you have the heavenly realms, which Paul's talking about. You and I are, t- are, are, are taking up the same two realms at the same time, the earth and the heavenly realms at the same two time, same two places. We are right now in the midst of two different ones. There's the invisible world and the visible world literally combined, and you are... T- are in two different places at once. And then there's the third heaven, which is where God is. And what I believe that that there Paul is saying here from far above is he's like, look, the invisible wars ha- invisible wars happening in the heavenly realm, but Jesus is seated far above. Even though the battle is raging, and even though you face obstacle and circumstance and things in your life and all these things, there's a battle waging that I don't even know if we really want to understand fully, he is seated far above. And he's seated so far above, in fact, that it says that everything else is under his feet. Psalm chapter 8, verse 6, it says, you have put all things under his feet, So when the invisible war is raging, we can know that Jesus, that there's a new sheriff in town and he is seated far above and he is in control. And then Paul, he closes down his prayer in verse 22 and he says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We read this and we see that, that Christ is head of the church. And that we are to be the, the hands and the feet and the neck and the torso and the calf and the quad of the, of the body of Christ. But so often the case, I don't feel like a neck. I don't feel like an arm. I don't feel like a leg. I feel like a toe. No, I don't even feel like a toe. I feel like a callus on the bottom of the toe. No, I feel like a, a bunion on the callus on the bottom of a toe. You ever felt that way? Like, there's no way that God could use me. My friend, it doesn't matter. He is seated far above. And when you are weak, he is strong. There's a new sheriff in town, Paul, is saying. And look, Satan, you can't have my calling. You can't have my mission. You can't have my identity. You can't have my relationship with God because the promises of God have been possessed because the spirit of God is within us. And so the same prayer that that Paul prays then, I want a you to be prayed for today.